0: It is Denver Sports Tonight on this Tuesday night in the Mile High City. He's James Merrillat. I'm Will Peterson. Game one, Western Conference Finals. Nuggets and Lakers gets going here in about 45 minutes. James, we have been waiting for this. In some senses since 2020, I get it. But in another sense, as people are driving a ball arena right now, we've been waiting for this since 2009. Let's be honest. Yeah. Look,
1: 2020 was fun. It was a great distraction when we had nothing going on for multiple months. Like, it it was great. I I don't want to downplay it or or not say that I enjoyed the run. I did. It just didn't feel the same. Why? Because you couldn't go down to Ball Arena and go to any of the games. They were all played in an empty gym in a ballroom in Orlando. No, this is different. And I thought your column at DenverSports.com today hit the nail on the head. This is the biggest series the Nuggets have ever played. Mm. And I was a, a witness to the Western Conference Finals in 1985. That was a good Nuggets team. It wasn't a team that had the, the HOV lane to the finals. Well, you were playing Magic and Kareem. Correct. Yeah. You're playing a team that won multiple titles in the 80s. One of the, uh, one of the greatest teams in NBA history. It was a good Nuggets team. I was a witness in 2009. That was a better Nuggets team, right? And they went further than any Nuggets team has ever gone by one game. They went to game six of the Western Conference Finals. But that was Kobe. Kobe at his peak. And I was at game six. An absolute dud at the then-named Pepsi Center.
0: That was and, a tough one.
1: And it's, it's disappointing, and we've gone through the, you know, the vignettes all day. It's disappointing as that game one loss was, which was a kick in the you know what with the Anthony Carter inbound play. I had forgotten that they won game two on the road. Yeah, They they bounced back and won game two. They got the split in L.A. And then lost game three at home, and it just was like, man, you do all that work to get the split and then give it right back. That was a killer. But they didn't have home court. I know they stole it with the winning game two, but they didn't have it throughout the series. So it, and it was Kobe, and it was him at the height of his powers. It just felt like, okay, they probably went as far as they were supposed to go in that one. This isn't as far as this team is supposed to go. They're the number one seed. Games one and two are at home. They can have a 2-0 lead, which puts gives you a 93% chance of winning the series before they ever step foot in the crypto.com center or whatever it's called now. It's the biggest series in franchise history. you got to win it. If you can't do it now, when can you? And I am fired up because I think the Nuggets take care of business big tonight. I think they win the series rather handily unless the officials do something to derail it. It is uh it is the year they finally get over the hump. Well, I appreciate
0: you saying that because when I was putting that together last night at denversports.com, you know, I, I was saying it's the biggest series in franchise history and I I had to pause and I said, Okay, take a step back. Is it actually the biggest series in franchise history? Well, James, it's the first one that the odds makers agree that the Nuggets are the favorites. Correct. It's the first one they have home court advantage. Correct. So there and you have a back to back
1: MVP. They didn't have a back to back MVP no. in 09 or eighty five. Or 2020. It would have been cool in those other situations had they pulled the upset. Right. Like, that would have been great. But it would have been pulling the upset because they were the lower seed. They didn't have the best player in the series. They just didn't. 2020 was maybe close, but Jokic wasn't what Jokic is now. LeBron and AD were Three years younger. Yeah, they were better then than they are now. Yep. Right, Mello, I, I, I don't want to get into down the path of Mello, but Mellow was a very good player in 2009. Chauncey was a great leader in 2009. Kobe Bryant was in another stratosphere. Yes, both right? those are true. Alex English, Fat Lever, Calvin Natt, Wayne Cooper, uh, uh, T.R. Dunn. I love that 1985 Nuggets team, the Lunch Bucket Brigade, right? But you're the Lunch Bucket Brigade taking on the Showtime Lakers with Magic and Worthy and Kareem and Michael Cooper and Byron Scott. I mean, they didn't have... Probably the fourth best player in that series. They've got the best player in this series. They've they, they, they've got way better three, four, five, six, seven, eight on their roster than their opponent. Will, you hit the nail on the head. This is the biggest series. This is, it's it's right there for them. You got to go out and take care of business. All right, we do have some news here in the last few minutes. There are some videos emerging
0: from Ball Arena of Jamal Murray warming up on the court. This is significant because when Michael Malone met the media about an hour ago, he said, hey guys, Jamal Murray is still questionable. I don't know if he's going to play. Could that be gamesmanship? Sure. But to see visual proof of Murray on the court warming up is huge. I don't think anyone ever thought he wasn't going to play until Malone an hour ago said he's still questionable. So that checks that box. And then also, James, Malone said to the media he singled out one guy who has not played much in these playoffs at all, and he said, I will not be afraid to throw DeAndre Jordan out there, and he knows it. So that one caught my attention as well of, hey, he didn't say, oh, I might have to throw Zeke out there or Votko out there or Reggie Jackson out there. No, he went out of his way to say, I'm not afraid to throw DeAndre Jordan out there. It made me think that DeAndre Jordan could get a few minutes tonight and moving forward.
1: Yeah, and to me, the the big thing that could derail the Nuggets is foul trouble from Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic. Yep. And having to guard A.D. and LeBron in the post. And at this point in his career, LeBron has turned into as much of a post player player as he is a perimeter player. They're going to get a good whistle at some point in the series, if not throughout the series. Yes. So a couple of early ticky-tack fouls on those guys. Who do you go with to bridge the gap, right, to get you into the third quarter? Or let's say one of them picks up a fourth foul early in the third. How do you bridge the gap to get to the fourth quarter or late into the third quarter? to get him back in the game. DeAndre Jordan's a guy that makes sense. Who 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 do you trust with some size? You know, we talked about Peyton Watson in the last series So, hey, maybe you put him on Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's seven feet tall, but he's slight, right? You can get away with Peyton Watson on him. Peyton Watson ain't guarding LeBron in the post. It's just not happening. It ain't happening. You want DeAndre Jordan at that point to, with him or A D to at least force him force those guys to go outside and, and where you could or they force them to try and beat you off the dribble where you could get some help. You just don't want to get back down. If LeBron's able to back you down into that spot and, and take that turnaround jump shot, he's going to make that thing 90% of the time. And I think with DeAndre Jordan, too, that's just
0: another six fouls to put Correct. in the mix, right? Yep. Like, if he only plays eight minutes and he fouls out, I don't think anyone really cares. Nope. Or if he gets five or six fouls, fouls against Jordan are not that big of a deal, Fouls against Gordon and Jokic could be game killers and ultimately series killers. We talked a lot about in Game 4 the foul trouble Aaron Gordon got in, and it sort of sent that whole one off the rails against Phoenix. They could never quite get get right in that game. And it just is one of those things where if you think Durant and Booker are stars, and they are, and they get superstar calls, what's LeBron James going to get? What's Anthony Davis going to get? They're an even next level of star in this Western Conference Finals, which also James... The NBA now has significant TV implications on the line. They have revenue implications on the line. The NBA Finals will be higher rated if it's the Los Angeles Lakers instead of the Denver Nuggets. That is just a fact based on what they draw. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. The games are rigged, anything like that. But I'm also not totally dismissing that the league knows and the three zebra knows it's better for the NBA if the Lakers win this series.
1: I agree with you on that. I think the Lakers in the first round would have been riskier than the Lakers here, and let me explain why. In the first round, if the Lakers get bounced, you're missing a lot of LeBron games throughout the rest of the playoffs. If the Lakers yes. lose this series in six, let's say, yeah, you don't have them in the finals, but it's one series where they don't have LeBron, and it's going to be the Boston Celtics, and it's the NBA Finals, and will ratings be impacted a little bit? Yeah, they will be. But it does. it's it's not happening over a 20-game span. It's happening for one series, seven games maybe, at max. It's less of an impact than if they go out in the first round.
0: That's fair. That's all fair. But I just... There are going to be moments in this series. There's going to be moments where you're pulling your hair out. Without a doubt. In the, in the fourth quarter with some of the whistles that will come down. That is just a fact. That is going
1: to happen. Well, and you mentioned the game against Phoenix when Aaron Gordon got into early foul trouble. For breathing on Durant. Let's make that clear. Yeah, and I think if... And this isn't a criticism of Michael Malone because he decided to stand pat and it proved to be the right way to go, but he essentially played the same eight guys in all six games. If he had an honest moment, and I think this is why he's bringing up DeAndre Jordan here, that when Aaron Gordon got into that early foul trouble, that meant, okay, early calling down to Jeff Green on the bench, extended Jeff Green minutes, and that might have been a mistake, right? Like maybe he would look at it and say, hey, I should have bridged that gap and, and play Peyton Watson some minutes to get Jeff Green in for his normal stint. And the early foul trouble Aaron Gordon should have been, let's go put Peyton Watson on Kevin Durant for three or four minutes here just to, hey, if he picks up a couple fouls, no big deal, just to bridge the gap to where your normal rotation with your bench. That's where I think you could see DeAndre Jordan is, if Aaron Gordon and Nikola Jokic don't get in foul trouble, I think you're going to see the same eight. Yeah, That's what you're going to see. If they do then I think that DeAndre Jordan is the bridge to play the bench their normal minutes in their normal spot.
0: All right, I I, I see that logic for sure. Let's go ahead and go through the starting lineups because we now have them in just the last couple minutes. To no one's surprise, James, Jamal Murray is locked in. He's a starter. He's no longer questionable. He's good to go. That's great news. The rest remain the same. KCP, Jokic, Gordon, and Michael Porter Jr. The Lakers, however, Jared Vanderbilt, man, who was getting like 20 minutes a game for them, Back to the bench, he goes after not starting game six. He will not start tonight. And the Lakers, they are awful small going with Dennis Schroeder, D'Angelo Russell, and Austin Reeves to go along with LeBron and AD. I know that got them past the Warriors, but that's Stephen Clay. This now means that, what, you got Austin Reeves guarding Michael Porter Jr.? Good, good luck with that. I mean, yeah, Gordon, Jokic, LeBron, AD, they kind of cancel each other out, but this is a tiny, tiny Lakers lineup. I got to think Darvin Ham, when they're down 32-20
1: after the first quarter, is going to go, why the heck did I not start a little bigger than this? Yeah, I mean, I I, I see where he's going, though, right, of, hey, if I can't match their strength, I'm going to try and counter it by doing the opposite and seeing if, hey, can their bigs guard our small guys on the perimeter. It's a little bit of, of what I suggested Michael Malone do last year against Golden State of Golden State, goes, they want to go small. So to try, trying to match them and go small and, and guard them on the perimeter, Nuggets had no ability to do it. To me, if the Nuggets would have gone big and it's Jokic and Boogie Cousins, well, how on earth are the Warriors going to defend that in the low post and try to get them to have to counter to you and get out of their game? I think that's the strategy here. That's the logic here of, okay, we can't match the Nuggets in terms of size. We're not going to be able to do that. So how do we get some of those guys out chasing players around on the perimeter? I don't think it's going to work. But I think that's probably at least a little bit of the mindset is, I, you know, I'm not going to try and fight their strength. I'm going to try and debilitate it by going the opposite way. Reeves is listed as
0: 6'5 at NBA.com. And they fib on those by an inch or two. Michael Porter Jr. is listed at 6'10". This is a huge advantage for Denver. Not only on, hey, Porter can just get his shot off, but James, they need to... They need to dominate the glass out of the gate. They need to get all of the offensive rebounds and give the Lakers exactly zero second chances. And we saw that commitment from MPJ to rebounding against the Suns that obviously needs to be here again tonight. But I think this has impact on his ability to score. And I think it has impact on the Nuggets to have a big, big advantage on the glass because I think Jokic and AD, is a great rebounder, I know. But I think they'll pretty much cancel each other out.
1: Yeah, and you could even make the argument Aaron Gordon and LeBron James cancel each other out. Then it's what are the other guys doing? And yeah, that to me is the that to me is the big advantage. It's six foot eleven Michael Porter Jr. on six foot five Austin Reeves. Like, come on, yeah. and that that's a spot where it, you know what scoring wise is it even a little bit of Michael Porter Jr. in the low post or certainly going to the basket? Right, his ability to shoot over him. And I think Darvin Ham is saying, I don't know that Michael Porter Jr. can t- chase Austin Reeves around the court and defend him. Look, he's not a great defensive player. I think that's putting it mildly. He, I, he was an undrafted kid out of Oklahoma. Like w- no, I'm talking about MPJ. Oh, okay, but but Reeves too. Like
0: he's been better or, or better than anyone expected. But let's not remember like a year ago he was a relatively anonymous basketball player in Norman, Oklahoma. Welcome to the yeah. Western Conference. This would be like the Nuggets asking Christian Brown to play 30 minutes and oh by the way, Christian Brown won a national title.
1: Well, and you know what this really is? It's the Nuggets asking him- Austin Rivers to play a ton of minutes last year and go up against Steph and Clay, mm. and I get it. MPJ's not Steph and Clay, but in terms of the matchup, it almost feels that lopsided. And Michael Porter Jr. I- I'm not D- I'm not as high on him as D Max saying he's already a superstar and saying he's going to the Hall of Fame, but I think he has the potential to be a great player. It's part of my frustration with Michael Malone is is the way he's handled him is that stunted his growth. It's it's less about what the coach is doing as opposed to what that is doing to the player. This is something where if Michael Porter jr. Is really going to be a great player, this is a big moment. You have a clear mismatch here. You should go out and dominate. We yes. need, we need to look back on the series and say that was the coming out party for Michael Porter jr. The player. Cause he averaged 22 and 12. Like what is the reason why he shouldn't I, unless it's well, Jokic went for, 35 and 15, and Jamal Murray averaged 28, and there weren't enough points to go around. Okay, maybe, but outside I, of that, I'll give you one. Darvin Ham realizes he just made a colossal mistake with this lineup, and it's a healthy dose of Jared Vanderbilt the next three, four, five, six maybe, games. Maybe, maybe. Uh, and, you know, this is part of the beauty of playoff basketball is the, you know, it's the chess match. It's the... Usually you get the adjustments after game one, and I get it. This is the lineup they had in game six against the Warriors, but it's a. I still think it's a little bit of an adjustment because it's not their normal starting lineup. Correct. That change made sense against the Warriors. Warriors don't have anybody down low or a, a big that scares you. No, and you're more worried about the Warriors'
0: guards Correct. than anything else. And to be fair to Darvin Ham, they made Clay Thompson look pedestrian. I mean, Clay Thompson was terrible on the back end of that series to the point where some people are wondering, do the Warriors have to break up Steph and Clay because Clay is starting to fall off this cliff?
1: Clay has kind of turned into a spot shooter, and he wasn't even doing that well in that series. Yeah. Clay's ability to really beat you off the dribble and get to the rim, it just that shot making, that scoring ability just... Not that that was ever really what his game was, but he did have that. It, it's it's less and less post all the injuries. And, and like Steph's
0: an all time great, he hasn't hit his wall yet. Clay's a Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong, but it wouldn't shock anyone at this point in year what 11, 12 in the league if Clay Thompson has just hit a wall.
1: Well, I think I think that question for Steph is not outside the realm. At some point, you're not able to just hit twenty eight foot shots and throw it up from the logo and have them go in. It's like okay, that that goes away at some point as you as you age. But I think Michael Porter Jr., boy, here's a sentence you didn't think you'd hear two months ago. I think Michael Porter Jr. has a better chance of exploiting this Darvin lineup than Clay Thompson did. I would agree. I yeah. just think right now, where he's at with his game and, his, again, his ability to get to the rim, and he needs to stick to it. He's shown signs of it, but he needs to do it over and over and over again. He should dominate. Inside in this series. Well, not just inside, but at this point in their careers, this is going to sound
0: crazy to some folks. I get it. But Michael Porter Jr. may be a better shooter than Clay Thompson. A a more pure shooter. I mean, uh, again, I understand I'm judging Clay off what we just witnessed against the Lakers, but he couldn't throw a basketball in the ocean. No. And it feels like MPJ, every time he's open, he's got the purest jump shot. Outside of Steph, he's got one of the purest jump shots I've ever seen. It just rips the twine, James. Every single time when he's lined up, open, his shoulders are square. It's there's no question it's going
1: right through. And I know his numbers weren't good in the last series. I know. But it's still to the point when he shoots the basketball. You think it's going in. I'm surprised when it doesn't. You, you, You you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly when every time he shoots a three, shoots anything you think it's going in so i think they need to have a healthy dose of him i think he needs to get way more shots than he got in the uh, in the first round part of that is on him part of that is on him being more aggressive right cutting to the basket moving without the ball not just standing out at the three point line like he's playing at 24 hour fitness and waiting for the kick out that's on him and part of it is on his teammates and the coaching staff getting him involved and getting him involved early i, I think it's i think it's both of those factors that have to be at play tonight
0: all right, I'm looking it up now. Michael Porter Jr. is shooting 40% exactly from three in these playoffs. Clay Thompson shot 36.8% from distance in yeah, the playoffs. A, not a
1: huge difference, but Michael Porter Jr. has been better.
0: He has, and, and these statistics are a little flawed because like Kawhi Leonard is leading it with 60% from three. Well, Kawhi Leonard played two games so before he got hurt, so yeah. that's where it's a, a little tricky to sort through him, but I just wanted to make my point that even you said it. He had a down shooting series. He still got a higher percentage than Clay, and they've played almost the same amount of games in the postseason. But you bring up an interesting point with MPJ, too, and it's a theme you and I have discussed, and I think it's the key to this series. If he can be great, if he can be special, and it's the MPJ series, that means Jokic didn't have to be – I'm not going to say their best player because Jokic's always going to be their best player. But we've talked about when Jokic can more just be one of the guys and not all-worldly – that is the formula for the Nuggets to win. You cannot stress enough how crucial balance is to the ultimate success of this team.
1: Yeah, and you wonder if Darvin Ham isn't doing a little bit of what Monty Williams did of like, hey, we're going to let Jokic get his point. Because when you double him, well, then he's deadly because he's going to find the open man. Right. And if it's Jamal, KCP, and Michael Porter Jr., good luck if you're leaving him open all night long. Right? So Monty Williams just said, hey, we're going to just guard you one-on-one. You're going to beat it more often than not, and you're going to score 53 points in game four, and we're going to win. If I'm Darvin Ham, I'm taking somewhat the same approach of that guy passing the basketball is more deadly against us than him just continually going to the rim and scoring. Because when he's scoring 53, everybody else just kind of gets out of sync. You know, even when they are open, then they're just not hitting shots because they're just not in rhythm. They, You know, they they, they they wind up standing around and watching him play. They do. Instead of, you know, moving without the basketball and all those kind of things. So watch for that early, too. See if see if Darvin Ham goes with the double on Jokic. I don't think he will. The
0: Ramoslaw.com text line is 303-713-1043. James, 5341 chimes in, makes an interesting point. When MPJ is hot, they stop giving him the basketball, and it can be so frustrating. I, I don't know if stop is the correct word, but to the texture's point, I think there are times where MPJ's in a groove and then all of a sudden either Malone will sit him on the bench for far too long, which yep. doesn't make sense, or they just get back to the Murray Jokic two-man game and it's like, let's keep funneling the office through MPJ because he is hot. I think the texture makes a good point here that the, the coach needs to play him more minutes, and the players on the floor need to do
1: a better job of recognizing he's the hot hand, and we're going to feed him every possession until he misses. Yeah, it's on the point guard and the point center to make sure they get the hot hand the basketball. They need to recognize that. There aren't a lot of times where you're like, oh, well, that was a heat check shot for Michael Porter Jr., right? Like, normally the heat check is coming from his coach or from his teammates, not him just continuing to fire him up when when he's hitting him. Which game was it in Phoenix? Was it three when he actually started shooting the ball pretty well? And it's like, man. Why'd they stop it was it, it was game three because then certain. the fourth quarter became a lot of Jamal Murray again and Jamal off, Murray was off a
0: very tired looking Jamal Murray. yeah a hands on the knees exhausted Jamal Murray just
1: chucking possession after possession. but it's also if, if, if and again I'm as big a Michael Porter Jr fan as anybody. I think he has potential to be a great great player. My one criticism of Michael Porter Jr is man that guy is just he's flatlined. Just flatline, no emotion, positive or negative, right? And that can be a good thing. But it's also when you're feeling it, you gotta be a little bit more of an alpha. You gotta move around, you gotta get open, you gotta demand the basketball a little bit more. That might be tough on a team when you've got a two time MVP, when you're not the point guard, but there needs to be a little bit of it of like, hey, get me the ball. Yeah, in but those you, kind of situations. Do you
0: remember his fight with Zach Collins in San Antonio? Oh, yeah. I want to see more of that. That was like, okay. Not a she, fight necessarily, but that mentality. And I believe he got ejected, right? Yeah. He did. And we were worried he was going to get suspended because there was a screenshot of like a, a blow. To, like a choke. Yeah, or a choke. That's right. Um, he's got it deep down in him. He does. We, we see it every once in a while. But you're right. He's more of a flatliner. And he's more of a guy who, when the coach bizarrely pulls him at times that don't make a lot of sense his emotions just get the best of him because he doesn't understand why he's coming out of the game.
1: Yeah. And that's why I've been so frustrated with the way he's handled. Like, do I think that's the right mentality for him to have? No, I don't. But that is his mentality. And you know, there's certain guys and anybody who's coached anything knows there are certain guys you're going to motivate them by kicking them in the butt. Right. And they're going to be like, well, I'm going to show you. And then there are other guys that that just makes them go into a shell and start doubting themselves and start looking over their shoulder and trying to not make mistakes, and he's in that category. It's why I think he needs to be managed a little different. I just don't want to give him a free pass on some of the responsibility for the disappearing act. He does need to be more aggressive and, you know what, more assertive than aggressive. I think that's the word I would use.
0: All right, the NBA draft lottery is uh, moments away from revealing the top pick. Can you say this cat's name, Victor?
1: Yaman's Uh, Wembenyama. I got close. KJ, you got anything for us? Wembenyama. Hey, I was close. Wembenyama? Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you go
0: over the air there? I did. Oh, okay, good. I didn't know if you were just saying that in my (laughs) ear. I was like, go. Give
1: yourself the credit there. Wembenyama? Yeah, there you go. I didn't have it in front of me, which makes it a little tougher. So, Wembenyama. Got it. There are four teams left. Okay. He will be a Rocket. Who had the best odds, correct, or was it the Pistons? Might have been the Pistons. So the Pistons are out of it. They dropped to five. (laughs) They got Nuggets luck. Detroit basketball. (laughs) He'll be a Rocket,
0: a Spur, a Blazer, or a Hornet. Rocket,
1: Spur, Blazer, or Hornet.
0: Obviously, we don't want him to be a Blazer. No. Um, Because pairing him with Damian Lillard in the Nuggets division, I mean, in a perfect world, he's a Charlotte Hornet. Just send him east. If if he's going to be as good as we think he is. All right, I'm going to call my shot. I'm saying Hornet. That'd be the best case for the Nuggets. I mean, a Spur? Mm, Is Popovich really there for the rebuild? We'll Uh, have to see. I don't know. The Rockets, man, ever since they got rid of James Harden, they have fallen off a
1: cliff. You know what, though? We saw when the Nuggets went down there and had the game to clinch the number one seed. They've got some young talent. Yes, you add them to that, that could be another threat in the West. Yeah, I mean, are, are they quite the young core that the Thunder are? No. But if you add him to the mix, is it the Thunder and the and the Rockets? That you're like, boy, wait two or three years. Wait till 2027, 2028. Those two teams are going to be deadly. All right. Well,
0: we'll give you the results of the NBA draft lottery on the other side, plus about 20 minutes from tip off at Ball Arena. Our official Nuggets and Lakers predictions. All right. The NBA draft lottery results are in. It's a very good thing that we no longer cheer for ping pong balls, James. You and I did radio together many years ago. Yeah. Where we had some passionate.
1: Spirited ping-pong ball debates. We did. Look, it doesn't matter how many the Nuggets get, it never goes their way. Right. Whatever their worst possible pick is, that's what they'd get. They're, they're, they were 11-71 and 71 one year, flirted with the worst record in NBA history, which at the time was 9-73, and 73, and they still didn't win the lottery. Wow, good thing we
0: don't have to talk about the Nuggets and ping-pong balls, but we do have the draft lottery results. Victor Wembanyama is headed
1: here. The second pick will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft goes to the San Antonio Spurs.
0: Ah, the kid lands in the West, James. Greg Popovich gets another superstar if he wants to stick around for a rebuild. And you made a good point about San Antonio getting lucky in
1: these lotteries. Give us the recap. They won the lottery to get David Robinson. They won the lottery as a big long shot to get Tim Duncan, and now they win the lottery to get Victor Weminyama. I mean, come on, three times with big guys that can transform your franchise? It's a little bit, it, it may, and there's no reason why it would be San Antonio, right? There's no conspiracy theory. It's not like the Knicks keep winning it or something like that, but it does just kind of make you throw up your hands and say, man, talk about lucky. They just keep winning it. You heard the dude in the background. I'm not sure who their representative
0: was, but you and I watched it on TV. He was going nuts, holding no emotion back. I mean, if this kid lives up to the hype, they just got a a once-in-a-generation type player. I'm glad he's not going to Portland. Portland ends up with the third pick. I'm glad he's not going to Houston. Houston ends up with the fourth pick. But obviously, James, it would have been better for the Nuggets, and I know we're looking a few years down the road, but it would have been
1: better for the Nuggets for this kid to land in Charlotte. He instead lands in San Antonio. I do love the guy's reaction, though, right? Like, just true emotion. You went there to win the lottery. You win the lottery. Be excited about it. Let everybody know that was that was that was cool. I have no love lost for the Spurs with right there with the Lakers. Has there been any any team that has killed playoff dreams more than the San Antonio oh, Spurs for the Nuggets? I mean, so
0: many temper tantrums oh, in my young childhood and early teenage years when the Nuggets would lose to the Spurs in five games. So
1: Man, it just ruined my week, I'm my not, month. I'm not hoping for them to have good fortune by any means, but hey, when it comes their way, I can honestly uh, endorse their reaction when they're when they're happy about it. That was actually kind of cool. All
0: right, we got some news from Jake Shapiro and Rachel Hill down at Ball Arena. Guess who just walked past them in the tunnel? Celebrity sighting. None other than, let's ride, Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson in the house tonight. Uh, you think he's in the suite, James, or you think he's back courtside? I think he's courtside. Yeah, he did it. Well, he did a game five. Once you make the courtside move, you kind of just got to stick with that the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the cameras are going to be. It's LA, it's the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, I think he's courtside. I think he's front and center. Nuggets do well when Russ is in the building. Are they undefeated? I think so. Okay. Now, he doesn't quite have the mojo for the Avs. But I think he's undefeated when he's in the building watching the Nuggets. Well, and it's funny, James, because in Game 5 of the Sun Series, their last home game, it did kind of feel like
0: that was our first sort of celebrity game we had in Denver. Now, they were almost all local celebrities, but it was still Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, Tim Patrick, Kale McCarr, Devontae's, John Calipari, there's a national celebrity, big-time yeah. basketball coach. Uh, Grizz, the DJ that shot the first shot that you and I didn't know, but EDM, apparently he's a big deal. Like, as these games get bigger, you know, we're not going to be seeing Adele or Kim Kardashian like we'll see in L.A., but the level of celebrity is going to continue to get higher and higher.
1: Yeah, they're all, for the most part, those sports celebrities. When you get outside of the sports realm, it's kind of slim pickings here, right? You could get uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. South Park guys. South Park guys. Um, Where do you go from there? Jake Jabs. American Furniture Warehouse. Adele Arakawa. <laughs> Nine News. <laughs> I mean, where are we going? Yeah, no, right? You're, you're right. Our, I, mean, I mean, Don Cheadle's from Denver. They went to East High School. Be nice if he came. Sinbad. Yes. From Denver. Uh, Condoleezza Rice. She could show up. Part owner of the Broncos. Lewis Hamilton was already sitting courtside for the Lakers. I know so he was. That, that bothered me a lot. He's bit. out. Um, I mean, you start, and Lewis Hamilton would be a sports guy anyway. I guess to some extent, Condoleezza Rice would have a sports connection now. But you're starting to run out of options when it comes to local celebrities. Yeah, but the good news is we have big-time sports celebrities, James. Russell Wilson showing up is a big deal. You know what would be an even bigger deal? The sheriff, Peyton Manning. I got one that would be even bigger. You think John? No. John would be big. John being there would be cool. Coach Prime would be bigger right now. Yeah, Coach Prime would be the biggest celeb. This reminds me of our
0: first pitch conversation at the Rockies at opening day. Yeah, They went a totally different direction. That was fine. But who would be the one that would charge up the crowd? You're right, man. If if Prime walks in, like in the second quarter, shows up a little fashionably late to his courtside seats,
1: that building would explode. You know who else would be a celebrity and would get a huge reaction because he's still beloved in this town? Vaughn Miller. Vaughn would Vaughn showing up would definitely well, get a great reaction.
0: Derek said he was talking to Emmanuel about getting tickets for one of these games. I know Derek and Vaughn are still close too. That would be a fun one. Yep, to for Derek to to bring Vaughn down to Ball Arena and remember he showed up to the Abs last year with Brandon McManus.
1: There you go. So he showed again, he's, up in his Abs jersey a yeah. lot. Right. He's got deep ties to Denver. I wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me at all when he retires if he's not home based here. So, you know, maybe Vaughn makes an appearance. Today. 0185 says, who cares about Kim Kardashian? Did you really list her as an important celebrity?
0: Dude, I don't care about Kim Kardashian, but you're kidding yourself if you don't think Kim Kardashian's a celebrity.
1: She's a she's mega, mega, mega global celebrity. She's arguably the most recognized recognizable woman on the face of the earth. Yeah, so I'm not
0: saying she's important. Maybe the most recognizable person. 0185. I'm just saying she's very who, famous. Who is
1: more famous than Kim Kardashian? I'm not saying she should be, but who is? Uh, Barack Obama or Donald Trump. Okay. Yeah. All right. So politicians. Yeah. So you take... Either, either of those two. All right. Well, it's a that's still a pretty exclusive list. It's a slim one. Yeah, I get it. I, I mean, again, we can debate whether she should be a celebrity, but to say she's not is kidding yourself. Yes, and the montage of celebrities in Game 3 will be a little more
0: star-studded than the montage as a celebrity in Game 1, and it's a Saturday night in L.A. I mean, that will be the ultimate who's who are yet Crypto.com
1: Arena or not for everyone in L.A. on Saturday. That is a front-runner fan base, however. I mean, they just, Lakers fans are. They're just front-runners. They're also Cowboys fans and Yankees fans, and it's that group. If the Nuggets are up 2-0, I think the star power will be different than if this series is 1-1 or 2-0 Lakers. Ah, uh, no, I disagree. Really? You yeah. just said Kim Kardashian's the most famous, and she went to the last round. She's coming to this round no they matter what. Down, they weren't down 2-0. Adele. They weren't down 2-0. They were, they were. They won game one in Golden State, right? Pulled the upset. They don't care about the basketball games. Uh, they care about being seen. No, they want to be seen at the... At the Hip and cool and trendy place, and a team that's about to go down three zero. That ain't hip and Kim cool. Kim Kardashian and didn't know what the series score was. No, but her people do. Oh, and, hey Kim, here's where you need to go. Here's the most fashionable thing you can do tonight. All right. Well, we have it from our boots on the ground at Ball Arena that Russell Wilson
0: is in the house. We'll see if Coach Sean Payton shows up. I know Stokes going tonight. Did he say anything about going with Payton? I don't think so. I think it was his son. Mm hmm. And uh, there's and a,
1: the celebrity signing though.
0: And their buddy. The, the one they always talk about, Bearcat. <laughs> Bearcat Jim?
1: <gym>? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's who was going. Zach Bye will be there. Mack will be there. Yep, Rachel he will be there. Jake Shapiro will be there. Long list of we fan personalities this. who are there. All right, uh, we're a few minutes from tip. Give me a quick prediction for tonight and a quick series prediction. I think the Nuggets roll tonight. I think it's going to be a lot like game one against the Timberwolves, a lot like game one against the Suns. Thursday night's the game to worry about. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I think they win by fifteen to twenty tonight. I think they if they take care of business in game two, which they should. No hedging, James. I they want to win prediction. this series in five. All right. Nuggets y- in five is you, your official prediction. Yes. What would what would you say there, Will P.
0: Uh the final score of game six was one twenty five one hundred, correct? Yes. I think it's a point better each way. Give me one twenty six to ninety nine for the Love Denver I'm Nuggets right there tonight. With you. And I've got the Nuggets in five as well. I just think I think, much like the Avs last year, the second round was a bigger challenge than the final. The St. Louis Blues were a bigger challenge than the Edmonton Oilers. I think the Phoenix Suns will
1: ultimately be a bigger challenge than the LA Lakers. I think you're right. And I think the seeding tells us that, right? I, I think that, that shows it. And yeah, I think there's a psychological hurdle to get over here of, oh, it's the Lakers. The Nuggets are 0 7 against them. And oh, they beat us in 2020 in the bubble. And oh, it's LeBron. But I think from a basketball standpoint and a roster standpoint, I think this is a lopsided series.
0: All right, sounds good. Western Conference Finals approaches. But coming up next, Kareem Jackson jumped in the studio today with Stokely and Zach. He said several things that caught our attention.
1: Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Denver Sports Tonight. Final segment of the show. He's James Merrill on
0: Will Peterson. An interesting day here at Denver Sports and Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan because James, Kareem Jackson was in the house hanging out with uh, Rachel V. Hill on coffee break and then doing a segment with uh Stoke and Zack today on The Fan.
1: Yeah, it was uh, kind of the old-fashioned ESPN car wash. You're just bouncing from studio to studio and doing hit after hit. And his deal became official yesterday, so it makes sense that um, Kareem
0: went out and did some media today Let's get into what he said with Stokely and Zach here in a second, but your thoughts overall on the Broncos bringing Kareem back and and what that means for particularly Caden Stearns. We know, obviously, Mike Kliss told us when you and I filled in for Stoke and Zach a couple weeks ago that Caden Stearns is uh, battling a significant injury.
1: Yeah, I, I think that, look, I like Kareem Jackson as a player. I don't think this is a stretch to say three years ago he was a much more impactful player than he is now, but he's still a, he's still a good player, great veteran presence. Um, I, I think that it, had we not known about the Caden Stearns injury from Mike Cliss, I probably would have said, boy, this is a sign that maybe they just don't have their guy and they aren't ready to move on yet. I think this is more of a, all right, early in the season, how do we not have to rush Caden Stearns back, rush him into the lineup, And it's a really good, really smart insurance policy to have a guy like Kareem Jackson. And and that sounds bad, and I don't mean it that way, because he is a good player. I'm not sure if Caden Stearns was healthy, if this would be the case, but Kareem's coming back. I think overall, that's good for the Broncos. And this will be Kareem's fifth year with
0: Denver. Obviously, he's never been part of a winning team here, which is not through Kareem's fault. He's been a part of some good defenses. He has, down in Houston. Um... But they had a really interesting quote from Kareem that I want to read you today. He was talking about the the down years, right? And then he comes back and says, fast forward to last year. This is a direct quote. Russell comes in and the expectations grow even greater. To just fall short of all the goals you have as a team and those expectations, for us, it's really frustrating. To obviously go out and lose the way we lost last year, having eight or nine one-score games and two or three walk-offs in OT – That stuff is even more frustrating. So Kareem Jackson gets it. It's like, hey, we underachieved in all four of my years here. But last year, to get Russell to come in and to lay the egg they laid, and he brings it up, losing eight or nine one-score games. They did get walked off three times in OT. That's a veteran who gets, we were close, and we just fell apart at the critical times in a lot of those games.
1: Yeah, and and look, the quarterback's going to get most of the credit, and he's going to get most of the blame. Head coach is going to be number two on that list. In the one-score games, certainly Russell Wilson was somewhat to blame. Right? He, he blew the Indy game. Without a doubt. Yep. Right? The two picks in the fourth quarter and then missing K.J. Hamler wide open on fourth and one from the six-yard line for what should have been a uh, the game-winning touchdown. But I think when you look at the the entire group of eight or nine one-score losses, yeah, that's on the fact that it was just a disorganized mess. That's on coaching. That's Yeah, that's on Nathaniel Hackett being in charge. Yeah, yeah. And, and it started week one, and it just continued throughout the rest of the season. So I expect the Sean Payton effect to be massive. I think he'll get this team to where they're not making those mistakes, not beating themselves, which happened just way too many times last year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Kareem hit the nail on the head. I think the fact that they're willing to say it and admit it It's a little bit like the abs last year. Just willing to say, hey, the second round boogeyman is there. We got to get past it. That's what the Broncos are saying of, hey, we know what our fault was. We know what our problem was. We got to go out and make sure we rectify it this year.
0: And then Brandon Stokely asked Kareem specifically about Russ. And here's what Kareem said. He said, there's definitely a lot of noise, a lot of outside noise as well. For Russ, if you're the guy under center making that type of money, you're going to be the first guy that everybody will point out. I'll sit here today and say that wasn't just the problem. We had a ton of problems. I like Kareem there taking some veteran leadership saying, I understand Russ is under center. I understand he's making a lot of money. But his direct quote, I will sit here today and say that wasn't the only problem. We had a ton of problems.
1: You know what makes that genuinely honest to me? Was the fact that he didn't try to make it sound like Russ wasn't a problem. He said it was a problem. Yeah. And he was. like anybody who's paid attention to all the nonsense, right, and the distractions in the office and the uh, quarterback coach and the weight gain, and just all of it. Like, yeah, of course he was a problem. And, you know, talking about the fact that he's the quarterback and he makes a lot of money. Yep, let's just keep it real. That does make the, 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 you know, dials up the the level of the microscope that he's going to be under. But he's right. There were a lot of other problems. I think the coaching staff was... A big part of it. There's probably still some that are in that building. I think some of the players who've left, Melvin Gordon, yep. Draymond Jones. Yep. You start looking bad at, eggs in the locker room. Yeah, and and with with the were they enti- the entire problem. And is it fair to blame Draymond Jones and Melvin Gordon for the Broncos going five and twelve? No, but I think those are the types of things without throwing anybody under the bus that Kareem Jackson is talking about. Final quote from Kareem that I found
0: really interesting. I wrote about this at denversports.com. Quote, James, we had a ton of injuries. If it's a revolving door when it comes to your lineup on both sides of the ball, there's no chemistry on defense. There's no chemistry on offense. I thought that was a good point from Kareem as well. It's like, hey, we could never build a cohesive unit because it was different guys out there every week. You look at the Super Bowl 50 team, James, it was the same 11, 12, 13 dudes on that all-time great defense. The Broncos last week, they, they were starting a new guy. P.J. Locke's out there. Damari Mathis is out there. Caden Stearns is out there. And then he's not. Like, it was just new bodies. Kareem makes a good point. that You can never develop a chemistry if, you're, if your lineup's constantly changing. I think a new coaching staff will help with that. I respected the old training staff, but I think a new training staff will help with that as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And look, injuries always kind of come across as a bit of a lame excuse because every team has injuries. But the Nuggets had a rash of them. The Broncos. or The Broncos had a rash of them. Sorry. I know where your mind's at. Um, and no, we're knocking on wood for our Nuggets. I know, yeah. I know. It, you know, normally, it's, you go the other way. You're used to talking Broncos. You say Broncos when you mean the Nuggets. Right. Tonight I made it to the final seconds before I screwed that up. But I don't think they'll have that. At least, knock on wood, they won't have that rash of them. They're going to have to have some. They're going to have to deal with a little bit of that. just won't hopefully come in bunches.
0: Uh, You can read about it at denversports.com. We also have some quotes in there from Kareem on why it took so long to get re-signed. I'll read this super fast. He said it was funny. You're not the hottest thing out there like you used to be when you were in your 20s. It's like, that's some
1: self-awareness there. No doubt. Took two months. Honestly, a little self-awareness is what that locker room Needs. Yes. Right? Hey, do you want to have field day? How about a little self awareness and say no? That's a great answer. I know he meant it to be funny, but that's a great answer from Cree. He, he
0: also touched on his role in 2023, what it's like playing with Pat Sertan II, and he did give a prediction for the Nuggets and Lakers Western Conference Finals. Can't wait, James. Here we go. Go Nuggets. Biggest series in franchise history. For KJ, for James, I'm Will. It's Denver Sports tonight on Denver Sports Station
1: 1043. The fan.